Welcome to uh, City Point. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. It's just good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. This worship team, you guys, let's give, the, give it up for the worship team. Yeah. Amen. What a blessing. Well, God is good. We had a great day yesterday at uh, Kimbrough and greater things are, are, are just unfolding and we're just able to enjoy so much of uh, sharing and blessing people and we're going to do something as uh, Kyle was saying with the uh, Not Your Shame ministry. Today we're going to have the baskets at the back so I'd like you to uh, prepare an offering for them. You could text to give it to and just put uh, NYS on it. That way it's designated, not your shame. And what we're lo looking for, uh, we've, we took the uh, Christmas miracle offering that we haven't really said much about it at all. And uh, this last month, though, you've responded really well. And uh, I'd just like to get a few hundred more dollars so we can uh, do something really special for the the ladies that are involved in that ministry and they're doing a Christmas party at the farm and then some local ministry here and and so that's what we'll be doing at the end so because I you know I get into this this morning uh, things might get crazy up in here and uh, I'm just I don't know that I'm not predicting that but it, sometimes it does get crazy up in here I like when it gets crazy up in here I like when God just shows up as Jehovah Sneaky. I like when some of y'all thought you was just coming to a Sunday morning service and you come and get wrecked. I mean, that's really what it's all about. I, you know, I gave up going to church a long time ago. I, I come into the presence because I need him. And when, when these songs aren't just words to be that... <laughs> And it's not just a preparation to get to this point, to get to that point, so we can say amen and go ahead and have lunch. Uh, I came to terms with the fact that church is about what God wants to do in us in the moment. Right now, right here today, God has you here for a reason. I don't know how you got here, and maybe you don't even know how you got here. But you got here, and it was no accident. And uh, God certainly has something for you and something he wants to do with you and in you. And uh, I'm looking for the clicker. Oh, he's got it. No, we lost it. It's lost. It might be on my desk in my office. That possibly could happen. Sometimes I, you know, thank you, Julie. You're such a blessing. What an amazing, what an amazing part of this ministry and the team. Um, anyway, put up, can, do you have the, do you have the PowerPoint? There we go. So a couple of weeks ago before Pastor Kyle came, I, I preached this message on cycles that I thought was like just a one and done thing, but uh, I can't get this off of my heart and we introduced it, I guess it's just that will be an introduction to something that I feel like is going to go on for a little bit more because there's a couple of aspects of this that I really feel like I need to hit while we're here and, um, and really talk about getting free. You know, the whole purpose of the gospel is to get free. For, uh, this, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he, that he might uh, destroy the works of the enemy. And so in that, what God's trying to do is bring freedom to us. And, and so I want to share that with you about these cycles and about these things. We talked about it in two weeks ago, about how that it's, it's as basic as the law of sowing and reaping, that cycles represent like seasons. There's a time for everything under the sun. There's a time to plant, and then there's a time to harvest. And really, life is, life, every, everything in life is around that principle, Amen. Are you with me this morning? And I want, you to, I want you to think about this because everything in life really runs on the principle of sowing and reaping. 
And Paul wrote in Galatians 6, be not deceived, which should tell you something right there, that there's a lot of deception around this area then. And so that we need to be really alert and be on top of this because God is not, God is not mocked whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now here's the thing, God gets mocked a lot. I, I, can I just make a confession? I, I've, been, I've mocked God. I remember a time in my life where I was sowing to the flesh, and when the harvest came, I was like, God, why did you let this happen? And God says, I won't be mocked. This isn't my doing. This is your doing. Because, but a lot of people, you know, they, they, put, they, they put this on God. Like, God, why? Why? Or like God is, God is lost, uh, <laughs> God has lost control. But the law of sowing and reaping is such that whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also. Now, there's, there's, a, there's two folds to that. You can reap to the sow to the flesh, you reap corruption, or you can sow to the spirit and reap everlasting life. Would you go to the next slide? I want, I'm just going to get started there. That's it right there. Thank you. Have I carried all those remotes? All those remotes were on my desk? I'm so, Lord, help me, Jesus. I need... Terry, would you put Velcro on this and then I could just put it on me like that? Or, anyway, so if you have a Bible, if, if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 5, which I, we don't normally carry a Bible. So if you have the U app, this is on, you can go to live events, this is in the U app. If you have uh, some Bible app, just go to your Bible app and flip it on. And, uh, and we're going to go to Romans chapter 5. Now this tile right here, this tile right here has about three or four messages in it. But I'm just going to give you the overview of this. And, uh, and I, I, that's all I can do. Uh, I see mistakes in here too, but that's my fault because I made the tile. Romans 5, 1 to 2 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace, <laughs> praise God, into this grace, everybody say that with me, into this grace. This is what Pastor Kyle did such a marvelous job talking about last Sunday, this wonderful, abundant bountiful grace that you'd never have to worry about running out of or running short of amen that you could just keep sowing and keep sowing you never have to worry that you're gonna you're gonna come short of grace because grace is is never ending and let me just tell you while we're in that never ending thing the book of Romans teaches you that where sin abounds grace does much more abound and so you, people, you know, the enemy tells you, look, look at what's going on. There's, there's a shortage here. But in God's economy, God's not short of anything. There's no restrictions, no, no, no lack in him. So it says, through whom we also have access by faith, everybody say by faith, into this grace in which we stand. This is how we stand. How do we stand? We stand in grace. We, we, we stand by the grace of God. And we know grace. Now write this down. This is, this is free. This is just my life verse. Philippians 2.13 is what I consider to be my life verse. Uh, I've spent 25 uh, years basically preaching this verse at Westville and Lake County Jail when I was a chaplain there for 12 years. I preached basically thousands of messages, all hinging from Philippians 2.13, 
which is the active definition for the grace of God. Because if I ask you today, what is grace? Everybody's going to give the, you know, the, the, the answer. It's the unmerited favor of God, which is true. Grace is the favor of God. But the biblical, active, practical definition of grace is found in Philippians 2.13. Here's what it says. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what is grace? Grace is when God puts inside you the will, the desire, because you can't do this without the will to do it. And I, don't, I just want you to know, you didn't just wake up one day and say, I think I'll serve Jesus. You know what he did? He came to you in grace and dropped that will into you. This is so powerful because if, if, if people say, well, I, I don't know if I can do this. Here. But Philippians 2.13 says God is working in you. And what God's work is, is he's putting desire in you. Have you ever noticed that you kind of get what you want? Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Some of you women are already working your men for Christmas. You've been working him for months because you get what you want. When you desire something, and you men, shut up. Because you, you, when are you going to tell your wife about that bass boat you bought? You better tell her sooner or later. Honey, look what I bought you. Don't do that. I tried that once. It didn't work. Isn't it true we tend to get what we want? And so God, he puts, let me tell you something, God gets what he wants too. And what he does is he, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do. So now get this, here's the active definition. God not only puts the desire in you, but he also puts the power to do it. It's the desire and the power to do God's will. When you sing about grace, when you thank God for grace, what you're thanking him for is, God, you gave me the desire and the will, the power to do your will. It is the God which worketh in you both to will and to do. Everybody say to do it. It'd be one thing if, if God gave you the desire, but there was no power. But the grace of God not only gives you the want to, it gives you the power to. Hallelujah. That's a deep well right there. Now, here's what you can do. You can frustrate the grace of God by putting your will on top of God's will. But even then, God works, and he works to try to get yourself out of the way so he can get his self in you. That's the grace of God. Now look at this. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. So if I need, if you're here today and you say, well, I need more, I need more grace. What you're saying is I need more desire and I need more power to do God's will. Then what you do is you access that by faith. You access by faith. I believe God that all the, all the desire and power I need to do your will is in Jesus. You believe that this morning? And so I believe, Lord God, that I'm not short of anything. And, and so here's what happens. It says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Whew. Here's where I stand. I stand in grace. I sta I'm standing in a really good place, a safe place, a healthy place, because I'm standing in the grace of God and I have access to God, and everything I need I find in Him. And so He says, because of that, I rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. Say, I rejoice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, this is, He says, I rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, I want to show you the three dimensions here, and I'm just going to mention this because this is, 
this is a study that we really should, we should really delve into. Note the three dimensions here. Why? I don't know why that why is there. But look at this. In the past, there's three dimensions of our lives. Our past, our present, and our future. You with me? We all have a past. We're all living in the present. And we all have a future. And so what Romans 5, 1 and 2 here says, it says, in relationship to your past, you have been, you have been, notice, you ha- you're a has-been. When it comes to sin, you have been a sinner, now you're a saint, you're justified, and what justification is, which is a, is a great biblical truth that every one of us really need to become schooled in and understand because this is important to you standing, everybody say standing, You can't stand unless you understand the principle of being justified by faith. We're in the 500th year when Martin Luther discovered the principle of justification by faith, nailed it on the wall of the church in Wittenberg, and ushered in a great reformation. I believe that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today is going to come into the reality, not just a doctrine, but the reality of what it is to be just justified. Now here's what justification is. It's just as if I'd never sinned. See, this is how, now I know this is, because here's the problem with all of us. Most of us live in our past. Most of us cannot grab hold of our future because you can't grab a hold of your future while holding on to your past. And so the devil is really good at accusing you and reminding you and bringing you into a realization of your past sins. But if you live in the realization that God by the blood of Jesus has justified me, that I stand before God and in his eyes it's as if I'd never sinned. Because if I don't live in that reality, the condemnation of my sin will drive me back from God. And if you stand in their justification, it draws you to God. And so what many people forget is that that God dealt with your past. Look at what it says, having been justified. Now, if you want to learn, I've really been thinking about this all week. Like, see, we used to we used to do a lot more teaching in the church. You know, we used to go to Sunday school. Used to have Bible studies. We used to ground people in these basic doctrines of justification, reconciliation, righteousness. But now most of us, we get a shot of the word on Sunday mornings and a vitamin B shot on some podcast or something during the week. And yet we, I believe we, it's imperative that we become biblically sound in our understanding of basic Bible truths. I don't know, because it's hard to get people out for things. You know, people will go, people will gather by the thousands to watch a Christmas tree lighting thing. I'm not against Christmas tree lighting. Why did I pick that? Because <laughs> you're going to go, man, he's, he's down on Christmas. No, but, 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 but to gather people together to dig into the word and learn about your position as a justified believer in Christ, redeemed, restored, your life made brand new, and people go, ah, I got that. And yet you're having trouble standing. I think we should gather around a tree, but I think that tree should be the cross. 
If you don't light something up, let's light up the cross. All right, moving right along. So you see your past in the eyes of God having been justified. And Romans, I, I wanted to give you these three things. I, I, I taught this years and years ago, and I really feel like I was thinking, you know, back when I taught this um, 25 years ago, there was no such thing as the Internet. And I'm thinking about putting this down in a, in a way where we have an online theology school where people can at their pace get into the meat of this word. It's really hard on a Sunday morning to get into the meat of this word. It really is. It really is. You, you got you, time limits and, 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 and people's ability to stay with you and, and, and all of that. And, but but I, I really feel like somehow we have, to, we have to get back to the truth. Amen? Amen? And we need to get rooted and grounded in the truth. And so the truth of Romans 1.17 is that this is, this is what turned Luther's life around, that the just shall live by faith. And there's three books of the Bible that you should master as a believer in Christ. You should write this down. And again, I don't have time to get into this, but this, I spent, I spent uh, three years teaching this and really feel like it needs to be brought out again. It's number one is the just. What does it mean to be just? What does it mean? Because people, you know, we say, well, the church knows that. No, the church doesn't know that. The church thinks that being just is because you keep the rules. And the problem is you ain't keeping the rules. Because the rules can't save you. The rules were never given to save you. The only thing that can save you is Jesus. And yet we've got people thinking they're going to go to heaven because they're keeping the rules. And it makes, let me tell you what rules do. Rules make hypocrites out of you. All right, moving right along. So where do you find out how the, where the just is? It's in the book of Romans. The entire book of Romans is all about the just. Romans 1 through 5 is all about, explains justification. Romans 6, 7, 8 gives you all the dynamics of, of this salvation. Even the monkey wrench in the machinery in, in Romans 6, 7, and 8 Romans 9 through, uh, I think it's through 15 or 14, I forget now how many chapters, all deal with the practical walking out in daily life. And so you see the book of Romans is one of the most important books to a believer. And uh, the second part of this is the just shall live. Now, how, how do you learn how to live? The book of Galatians is the book that teaches you how to walk in the spirit and live the Christian life. It's where Paul delves into the, 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 the reasons why the rules don't work. I marvel at you that you have been so soon removed from the gospel which was preached unto you and how you've been entangled again with a yoke of bondage, Paul says in Galatians. How? Because they put themselves under the legalism of the Pharisees, of the Judaizers of their day, and they've turned their heart from Christ. Because let me tell you something, the moment you get your eyes on the rules, you're not looking at Jesus. The just shall live by faith. Where do you learn faith? The book of Hebrews is the book where you learn how to walk by faith. So you see, every believer should be schooled and well-rooted and well-founded in the book of Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews. And I, you pray because I, I feel like that's part of my responsibility is to help ground you in that. I don't know the best way to do that. But I feel like with all these things at our fingertips, we should be rooting and grounding people because here's the problem. Look at that line that goes up. You see it under the we stand. Everybody say we stand. Can I just tell you, can I give you a prophetic, can I give you a prophetic outlook? In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Pastor Mike, I didn't want to hear that. 
But that's what, isn't that what the Bible teaches? Isn't that what Jesus taught? In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome. Now, here, here's the thing. How do you, so the question is, how do we stand? How do we stand? So here's how we stand. Go, let's go back into the three dimensions. First of all, you have to get your past dealt with. That means you got to bring it all to Jesus and come clean with everything in your past. Listen to me. Why are you hiding what God clearly sees? Come out, come out wherever you are. That's one thing, you know, that's one, that's one thing about me. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you my business. I'll tell you, I'm honest about my life, my struggles. Why hide it? Why hide it? I want my past to be under the blood of Jesus, and I want to live as having been justified. I want my conscience cleared. I want to know I can stand before God and there's no accusation. So I, I, want to, I want to have my past dealt with. Number two is I want to live in the present. Now, how do you live in this present world when there's all this mess going on around us, all this chaos and everything? Look what it says. We have peace. Right now, in the, in, actually in the Greek, the word we have is the, is, I don't want to get into the linguistics of it, but it means we are having peace. It means in the present there's this ongoing, out-living, out-giving force called peace how many of you know when you're in the battle and you're fighting the one thing that you've got to have is the peace of god look at i i gotta know listen i i can deal with a lot of things i i, I got people mad at me all the time my wife's mad at me half the time my dogs even don't like me sometimes i feed them and they look at me and go is that it, the best you got you know, and, 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 and I, 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 realize, I realize the enemy doesn't like me. The world doesn't like me. Hello? But as long as I know God is at peace with me, God is good with me, that me and God are like this, as I'm having peace with God in the present, I know that no matter what's going against me, that I have peace with God. No, notice it, 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 there, everybody say with. You see, this word peace is, comes from the, the Greek word that means that, that is the, it's the word they used when a bone was completely broken. And when they put the, the, the bone back in alignment and, it, and the bone came back together, that was the, you know, say, how many of you ever broke a bone? Isn't that painful? I mean, there's, I've had some hurts, but I cracked three ribs one time and thought I was going to die. I mean, I've had a lot of pain. But man, every breath I took, I could feel those bones and the x-ray, and, and, and these bones were just cracked. I, I've seen some bones, listen, I've seen some bones that weren't just cracked, they were completely separated and st Anyway, let's go on. And if you have any pictures like that, send them to me. I keep a catalog of them. It's a museum. If you'd like to see some pictures of my injuries, I'll share them with you. You know, nobody wants to see that. I'm kind of proud of them. But see, the peace that we have with God represents that bone that's been completely broken, completely separated. How many of you remember when you were separated from God and God was, was and you were not even, you weren't even, you didn't even want to be around God. How many remember that? And then God came to you in his love and his grace and his mercy and God put you back together again. And now you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the present we're supposed to be living in. And yet, how many believers forfeit that peace? It's time to get comfortable here. 
How many believers forfeit that peace because they, they do not walk in this relationship of justification and having the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where does that peace come from? It comes from Jesus. Can I, can I tell you something? Peace is not a feeling. Can I just tell you something? Peace is a person. How many of you know Jesus is our peace? And all hell can be breaking loose around you, but if you're in Jesus, you will have a sense of, this, this, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Jesus, you're my peace. Doesn't matter the storms, the, all the mess going on. Jesus, you're my peace. Jesus, I, you through you, Lord, I have peace in the midst of the storm. And so we have that. I mean, think about it. Did Jesus ever get? Did Jesus ever get anxious for anything? Jesus was in a boat that was sinking, and he was taking a nap. And the disciples are freaking out. And they're like bailing water. They're trying to, these, were, these men knew how to sail. They knew how to, they knew how to get by in a storm. Finally, in exasperation, one of them says, go get Jesus. We're going to die. And they went and they woke up Jesus and said, hey, master, don't you care? We're dying here. See, there's that accusation. Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus woke up. He looked at them and said, oh, you of little faith. He, stir, he stood, turned toward the storm, and he said, peace, be still. And it says immediately there was a calm. I feel like the Spirit of God is needing to do that in some of your hearts today. Because you're like, you're like the disciples. Jesus, look at the, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, do you see what? Jesus, we're dying here. But in this present relationship, through our Lord Jesus Christ, you need to understand we have peace with God that's greater than any storm. And you say amen. amen. All right, then let's talk about your future. See, you have your past is dealt with under the blood, so you're justified. In the present, you have are, are having peace with God, and your future is we, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. Now hope is this expectation of what is coming. Hope is this expectation of what is coming. And what is coming is the glory, the presence, the promise, the fulfillment of God and his presence. This word glory represents the heavy weight of his, of his presence. Have you ever been in a, in, you ever been in a place where you just felt God's presence in such a way that you almost, it, it almost forced you to the ground, the weighty presence of God. And he says, we rejoice in hope. Our future is that we're going to live in this glory. We're going to live in this glory. We're going to live. The Bible says, as the knowledge, as, as the waters cover the sea in Hosea, so shall the glory of the Lord cover the earth. Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. The promise of God is that God is trying to show us that for every situation we're in, God's presence is covering us. And if we keep walking, we're going to keep walking into our expectation fulfilled, which will be God and his presence, his glory. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And so I want you to think about that. I want you to think, what are, am I rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God? Is that my future? Have I rested everything on that? Or am I just hoping that things work out? And so what, what we need to understand here, I want, you to, I want to go on here. I want you to go look at me, with me at Romans 5, 3 to 5. Because Paul's not done here. So he sets this foundation and he says, and not only that, I mean, it's like, oh, this is not enough. 
The past, present, and future's all been, all been provided for you in, the, in your Lord Jesus Christ as you just walk it out in him. And, 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 and what, a, what a depth and what riches are there for us. But he goes, he goes, and not only that, by the way, by the way, not only that, but we glory in tribulations. Wow. Paul, you just lost me right there. It was all good. I mean, talking about salvation, but now you're talking about trouble because that's the word for tribulations. Tribulation comes from the Greek word that it's, it represents pressure, problems, trials, tests. But you see, if you get Romans 1 and 2 down into your heart, it sets you up for verses 3 to 5 because if we're going to stand, as it says in Romans 5, 1 and 2, if we're going to learn how to stand, which is the goal here is to keep standing. Look at your neighbor and say, the goal is to keep standing. How many of you have been knocked down? But see, and that's because here's the thing. Paul, Paul talks about this. He says you've been knocked down, but not knocked out. trouble has its way of, of coming into our lives. And again, you got to be careful because you'll end up mocking or accusing God for it. Like, God, like God, why? Why why did you let this happen? Why didn't you stop this? Why? Like, like, like it's all God's fault. And there's, a, there's this whole thinking around that, you know, that, 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 that people have developed a theology that blames God for everything. Can I just tell you that God, God, God is not to be blamed for all of this stuff that's going on on the earth. And I, and I, I want to take a message and really delve into that because I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to rock some of your world here because I'm just going to give you the teaser for this. I'm going to say this. Some of you are going to have to weed through this in your mind because some of you have been taught that God is in control. I want to tell you something. God's in charge, but he's not in control. See, I, can just, I just heard... Pastor Mike, now, what kind of heresy is that? Well, let me ask you a question. Is sin and death God's plan for the human race? No. Why did, and if God was in control, why did he say, pray this way, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? God is in charge. But, but that's why everything has to be brought under his kingdom rule. So that's a whole, that's, that would be an interesting thing right there. Because I think if we don't wrap our minds around this, again, we'll end up accusing God. I've even heard people say, God put this sickness on me. No, he didn't. God took this from me. No, he didn't. God is good. And all the time. <laughs> and so here's what he says. He says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now, in order to glory in tribulations, you got to know something. You got to know something. Because most of us, how many of y'all glory? How many of you shout when you're in trouble? How many of you walk in church on Sunday morning? Praise God, my life's in a biggest mess it's ever been in. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, how did I get here? He's, so here's, here's what he says. Not only so we glory in tribulations, knowing, everybody say knowing, 
that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So here's the cycle. Here's the cycle I wanted to, this is the cycle I see right here. You ready for this? All right, I hope so. So let's start over here on the left in tribulation. That's where you start. Knowing this, that tribulation, pressure, trouble, trials produce perseverance. So here's, here's what God's trying to build into us is the ability to stay at it. The ability to just keep going. Look at your neighbor and say, keep going. Somebody asked me yesterday, they go, how's it going at the church? With somebody that doesn't attend here, and they're, they're like, how's it going at the church? I said, I feel like Dory. All the parents who've watched Nemo 150 times know what I'm, t- I'm talking about. Remember Dory? Dory's, Dory's song was just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Because when it comes to life, I've learned one thing. That trials come and trials go, but you've got to keep swimming. You cannot let things set you off of your course. Keep, keep swimming. Because what happens if we don't do this cycle and we let tribulation, listen, get, get, get this into your head. Tribulation is inevitable. It's inevitable. Say, well, well. I thought if we live, here's what, I heard a guy preach like this, he came to prison, and he preached in front of all these guys, and he told them, if you just serve Jesus, everything's going to be great in your life. I stopped him after service, I said, why are you preaching like that? I said, you're preaching to guys that need to know the truth, that the reality is that they're going to go through some hard things, they're in a hard place, me and you are going home, they're staying. And I said, why would you tell them that if they serve Jesus, everything's going to be all right when that's not, it's not really what's the truth. The truth is, here's how I preach it. Come to Jesus and he'll take care of all the problems in your life and give you a whole new set of problems. That's more accurate to the, to the, just give it to Jesus and all your problems are over. Hello? I know some of y'all, y'all leaving here today and going, I, I can't, I can't get, that's not good stuff right there. I mean, is he telling me that tribulation is, is, is what we're to, to experience? That's what the Bible says. It, let's go back. It says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. He didn't say if they might show up, if they do show up, they possibly could show up. I, I wish it was like that. I wish that, I, you know, if you're living such a charmed life that you're not walking in any trouble and you haven't experienced any tribulation, would you come lay hands on me after church? Because I'm missing something here. I've been around too long for you to tell me that this walk is free from problems, free from pressure, free from trials, free from tests. I'm not, uh, listen, I'm not negative. I think if you've been around me, you know I'm an encourager. And you know why I'm an encourager? Because for every tribulation, God has showed me that if you just hang in there, it's going to come to the other side. That if you just hang in there, there's an end to this. It didn't come to stay, it came to pass. So I just keep going, I just keep going, I just keep going. Tribulation comes. I've been through it. My wife and I have been through it with our family. I've had, I've had all kinds of losses. I've lost my mother less than two years ago. A sister a, a couple of years, how many years? Three years ago. My br- younger brother. But one of the hardest things, tribulations I ever went through as a believer, was at Christmas, years ago when my eight-month-old son was diagnosed with leukemia. And we, two young people down in Indianapolis at Riley, spent Christmas in a hospital, told that our son had a rare form, a one, one of four cases in the United States. 
I walked out of that meeting, my world rocked, and I looked, I looked at my wife and I said, what are we going to do? And she looked at me and she said, we're going to God. We're going to go to God. We're going to go to God. We're going to go to God. You just keep swimming. You just got to keep going. Perseverance is, is what happens when you keep going. What happens is you, is you develop the ability that I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to, I have this hope of the glory of God. And no matter what comes my way, I'm going to see it through. I'm here to encourage you, see, this morning, because I, I'm not here to set you up for failure by telling you that you're going to escape the, 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 the tribulation. I'm here to tell you that there is a way that in the tribulation, God's going to come to you. God's going to give you strength. God's grace is going to give you the ability to walk it through, and God's ability is going to give you the ability to stand. And see, what happens is you persevere and you keep going. What happens is you develop character. The King James calls it experience. Tribulation works patience is what the King James word in, in that is in, in, for perseverance. Patience, the ability to remain under the ability to remain consistent and keep walking underneath it. And he says, as you develop this patience, patience develops character. Character is how Jesus is formed on the inside of you. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus escape tribulation? No. Did Jesus get freed from any test or trial? I mean, look at what Jesus endured. Why did he do that? To show you that you can make it. He did, what, he did what he did so you could walk as he was and as he did and that you could have strength and develop the character of Jesus so nothing could turn you from your purpose and you could keep walking this out. And the church needs to walk this out. The, we're coming into times where tribulations, not, things are not getting easier, folks. The pressure's mounting. The enemy knows his days are numbered. It's time for the church to rise up and stop quitting and stop giving up and stop falling back and stop retreating and stand up and say, I'm going to make it by the grace of God. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give in. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, you've been praying for three weeks now. Then I'm going to pray for another three weeks and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm not going to give up. Because character builds hope, and hope makes not ashamed. Hope, again, is that expectation. Hope gives us that, is that, is that overriding quality that knows that God always writes the last chapter. You see, at the end of the, the, the people would say the end of the story for, for my wife and I was when our son, two weeks short of his third birthday, went home to be with Jesus. And they said, well, that was the end of the story. Oh, you have no idea. You have no idea of the hope and the glory that God manifested in our lives and in our family. When Mikey was born into this family, none of my family would say, I was telling somebody yesterday, Christmas in our house was like being in a pool house. A pool hall. You had to like push the smoke away. To, who, who's, who's talking to me over there? None of my family were serving Jesus. None of my family was walking with the Lord. None of my family was doing this. And then comes this tribulation. And then our faith got put to the test. And we just kept going, and we just kept going, and God kept building character, and kept building hope, and kept building his principles into our lives. And one by one, my mom, my dad, my sister, her husband, my aunt, my uncle, my other aunt, her husband, my, I, my family's getting saved. Revivals breaking out in my family. People are coming to Jesus. Why? Because hope maketh not ashamed. I'm here to tell you something. Trials are tough. Trials will test you. Trials reveal what's in you. I hear people tell me, go, you know, I served God once, but I went through this trial, and the trial made me give up. And I said, that's not true. I said, Revival, uh, trials have never made anybody give up. Trials only reveal what's already in you. 
See, the trial only, only reveals that, that there's quit in you. Here's the gift that nobody wants. James, turn to James chapter 1. Here's the gift that this year nobody wants to give, get. Can I, can I read it to you? In fact, I'm going to read it to you in this Passion Translation. James 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. Listen to this. Just, just put, put your Bibles away and listen because this will read so different that you'll get distracted. I need you to hear this this morning. I need you to hear this pastor's heart this morning. See, some of you, listen, can I, can I, I, I I'm, I'm trying to help you stand. I want to help you stand. I'm tired of seeing us getting knocked on our butts. I can't protect you from the trial, but I can prepare you for it. I can't keep you from walking into the fire, but I can keep the fire from consuming you. If you hear what I'm saying today. The cycles that we go through. This is the cycle that, 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 that Paul revealed as a cycle of life. Tribulation, perseverance, character, hope. This is how we become like Jesus. You know, we sang it this morning, oh, to be like him. And then the first hint of trouble, we're like, Jesus, why is this happening? Well, I thought you wanted to be like me. Well, I, I do, but I don't want that. Yeah, but this is how you get there. James 1, 2, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, See it, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience all the joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. Let me read that again. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. What happens when trouble comes to us? You know what the first thing the enemy tells you is? You ain't going to make it. You ain't going to make it. But what happens is your faith gets stirred up and your faith comes alive and you say, you know what, I am going to make it. I'm going to walk through this. And I'm not letting go. And I am not giving up. And I am not going to draw back. Listen to what he says here. For you know that when your faith is tested. Notice he says, not if your faith is tested, but when. When your faith is tested. It stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Now this perfection he's talking about is Jesus. He's talking about Jesus and his character in you. Where nothing will be missing and nothing will be lacking. Look at how Jesus faced his trials. Look at how Jesus went through every test. Look how Jesus responded to every circumstance. That's what God's trying to build into us. And yet at the first sign of trouble, we whimper and we say, oh God, I, don't, I can't do this. And God says, oh yes, you can. Trust me. Receive my peace. Live in my peace. Because standing in this requires that you receive the peace of God and peace with God. And so he, James goes on, you know, and, and, and I, I, just, I just think of it like this. I, I, I guess I'll show you this, I, and I'm going to bring this down. 
listen, listen to this. If you, don't, if you don't respond the way that Paul talked about in Romans, here's what happens. Tribulation comes, and the first thing that you do is panic. See, I was thinking, I go, what's the opposite of perseverance? Patience. What's the opposite of patience? It's panic. Because then instead of waiting on God, what do you do? You try to get yourself out of the mess you're in. You try to help God out. You try to figure it out and you think that it's all resting on your shoulders when God wants you to know it's all resting on his shoulders. So when, he, when, he, when the enemy gets you to panic, then what happens is you start making bad choices out of your panic. Now, let's go back to Galatians. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also. So now in the midst of the trial that you're in, because I've not responded in patience and surrendered up under God and said, God, teach me, lead me, guide me. I panic and I start making bad choices. And when I start making bad choices, disappointment comes. Can I just tell you something about disappointment? Every one of us, one of the greatest things that you will fight in your life is disappointment. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Right? Everybody, look at, look at me right here. Look, look at me, because this is so important for somebody here today. Somebody's. I could call you out, but I won't. You know what disappointment is? Think about this. Every one of you have been appointed by God to a destiny, to a future, to a hope. And what is the enemy's chief aim and goal in your life? To dis appoint you the word dis listen the word dis means to be removed your appointment has been set by god your appointment has been settled in heaven i know the plans i have for you says god plans to give you a hope and a future but even with that, guess what? The graveyard is full of people who were removed from their appointment because of this cycle right here. And God sent me to tell you today, if you're in the middle of a, of a trial, you're in the middle of a test, you're in the middle of a temptation. Stop. Look up. And say, God, I am going to stay with this and see this thing through. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to let you do the work that you want to do in me. Because isn't that the key to all of it? Is how many of you know when you come through the fire, all the junk that's held you, bound you, twisted you up, that's what gets destroyed. You come out as pure gold. But you know why? Listen to me. You know why you come out as pure gold? Because you went in as gold only with a lot of added stuff. See, I'm not telling you you're a bad person because you're not. There's not a bad person in this room. But there are people who, like gold, have got some dirt, mud, and crud attached to them. You know what the amazing thing about trials is? You're willing to start letting go of all that stuff that's keeping the gold from coming forth. And you know what God says? I trust you. 
Remember what he said to Job? Job, I trust you. You're going to make it through this. Job, I trust you. That's what God's saying about you. He trusts you. Can I, can I read one more passage and then I'm going to close? I feel like I've given you some, I feel like I've given you a piece of steak and some of you need to put your teeth in. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, each affirming face reality. Now listen to this. Here's the word for you this morning. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. What are, what are your past hurts that have pierced you? See, if you don't deal with those wounds and get them justified, those wounds will keep impacting, influencing your present and your future because you haven't dealt with your past. So we must, what do we do with it? We must let go. Everybody say let go. Of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. Who marked this path out, church? Jesus did. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, we just bow our hearts before you right now. God, in this room today, there's a number of, of things that you're dealing with in our lives. Some are still struggling with the past and need to be brought under the justification, the blood, the forgiveness, the reconciliation, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Some have dealt with that and they're struggling in the present. They're not walking in peace. And that present reality of peace is a reflection that maybe they haven't let go of everything either. Maybe there's certain things, Lord God, that you're trying to deal with, you're trying to release them from, you're trying to free them from, and yet they keep holding on. And that's why their peace is disturbed. The Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law, love your word, nothing shall offend them. And then some are struggling in their future, Lord, because in the midst of all the battles they're in, they've lost sight of that hope. The enemy's tried to rob them of their hope. The enemy's tried to tell them that there is no hope. To put them in despair and hopelessness. But hope makes not ashamed, Lord. Hope makes not ashamed. You have a plan for every one of us, Lord, to give every one of us a hope and a future. I pray, God, our eyes would get on you today. Get our eyes above the struggle, above the tribulation, above the trial, that we may behold Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Lord, today there's a joy set before us. The question is, will we endure? I pray for a spirit of endurance. I pray for patience, God, to come on us, ability to stand. And having done all, stand. 
Father, I thank you for the impartation today. I thank you for the virtue of your healing, saving, delivering grace that's gone out here this morning. I thank you for grace. The desire and power to do your will. I'd like you all to stand. Would you please?